Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 195. It is Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and Windows 10 2004 not having a good day. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Welcome to the month of September. We are just one month away from Cybersecurity Awareness Month. That is October. Every every year in October now we do Cybersecurity Awareness for the month of October. We are just one month away from that. I know you can't wait. I know you're hanging on the edge of your couch right now just thinking just 30 more days I can make it. But until then, if you could like, share, comment to review this podcast... That would be spectacular, and if you do, I promise we'll share a cybersecurity awareness tip every day of the month in October. And if you're in a HIPAA-compliant business, if you could go to Facebook and or LinkedIn, type get hiccup, hiccup, not hiccup, although hiccup is part of HIPAA. That's for a whole other story. Um, If you type in get HIPAA compliance into the search and join that group, you will learn all kinds of good stuff about HIPAA. All right, so let's jump in because we do have a Quite a bit of stuff today to share. First up on threat post, if you play Fortnite, pay attention. More than two billion breached Fortnite accounts have gone up for sale in underground forums since so far in 2020 alone. Hackers are scoring more than a million dollars annually selling compromised accounts for the popular Fortnite video game in underground forums. With Fortnite's immense popularity skyrocketing over the past few years, it currently has more than 350 million global players. The game is a lucrative target for cyber criminals. So lucrative, in fact, that 2 billion breached accounts have gone up for sale in underground forums so far in 2020 alone. I don't know how 350 million people play it, but there's 2, million breached, 2 billion breached accounts. That's kind of... Anyway, after tallying the auction sales for several high-end and low-end Fortnite account sellers over a three-month period, researchers found that on the high-end, sellers average $25,000 per week in account sales, roughly $1.2 million per year. That's quite a bit. The market for stolen account sales is much larger than just the gaming industry, however. From our research, the black market for buying and selling of stolen Fortnite accounts is among the most expansive and also the most lucrative, said researchers within Nightline Security in a report last week. Value of a hacked Fortnite account is centralized around a character's in-game skin, essentially a digital costume, researchers said. Players of the game can purchase these in-game accessories using Fortnite's currency called V-Bucks. Some of the skins are rare and worth a lot of money. For instance, the Recon Expert skin is one of the most valuable, averaging roughly $2,500 per account. So if you play Fortnite, uh, make sure you're using a secure password. I don't know if Fortnite has two-factor authentication, but if it does, make sure you turn it on and um, don't fall for phishing scams. Also on threat posts, critical Slack bug allows access to private channels and conversations. I feel like we've talked about this before. The remote code execution bug affects versions below 4.4 of the Slack desktop app. I did see a, an update for Slack last week, so make sure you update. A critical vulnerability in the popular Slack collaboration app would allow remote code execution. Attackers could ex- could gain full remote code remote control over the Slack desktop app with a successful exploit, and thus access to a private channels, conversations, passwords, tokens, and keys in various functions. They could also potentially borrow, burrow 
further into an internal network depending on the Slack configuration according to a security report. The bug, which has a rating of between 9 and 10 on the CVSS vulnerability severity, severity scale, was disclosed on Friday, involves cross-site scripting and HTML injection, Slack for desktop Mac, Windows, and Linux prior to version 4.4 are vulnerable. And I think it was Friday that I saw the update for Slack. With any in-app redirect logic, open redirect HTML or JavaScript injection, it's possible to execute arbitrary code within Slack desktop apps, wrote a bug hunter going by the handle Oskarvs, it's O-S-K-A-R-S-V, who submitted a report on the bug to Slack via the HackerOne platform earning $1,500. This report demonstrates a specifically crafted exploit consisting of an HTML injection, security control bypass, and remote code execution JavaScript payload. According to the disclosed technical write-up, attackers could trigger an exploit by overriding Slack desktop app EMV functions to create a tunnel via browser window to then execute arbitrary JavaScript in what is a weird cross-site scripting case, he said. And then the article goes on to talk about critical details, or technical details, sorry. You're probably not too interested in that, so I'm not going to go into that. But if you notice that you open Slack and there's an update available, then make sure you do the update. On Bleeping Computer, American Payroll Association discloses credit card theft incident. The American Payroll Association, APA, disclosed a data breach affecting members and customers after attackers successfully planted a web skimmer on the organization's website, login, and online store checkout pages. APA is a nonprofit professional association with more than 20,000 members and 121 APA-affiliated local chapters that organizes training seminars and conferences attended every year by over 36,000 professionals. The organization also issues industry-recognized certifications and provides professionals with library of resource texts. APA discovered around July 23, 2020, that its website and online store were breached by unknown threat actors who deployed a skimmer designed to collect and exfiltrate sensitive information to attacker-controlled servers. The attackers used a security vulnerability in the organization's content management system to hack into APA's site and online store, according to a data breach notification sent to affected individuals by Robert Wagner, APA's Senior Director of Government and Public Relations Certification and IT. Once they gained access to the organization's site and store, they deployed the skimmer on both the login page of the website and on the checkout section of APA's e-commerce store. According to APA's security team, the malicious activity was traced back to May 13, 2020 at roughly 7.30 p.m. Central Time. The unauthorized individuals gained access to login information, like username and password, and individual payment card information, credit card information, and associated data. APA said. Furthermore, in some cases, the attackers were also able to gain access to social media usernames and profile photos of impacted APA members and customers. This was uh, Magecart, by the way. So Magecart, um, we've talked about numerous times on here. You, um, They are kind of like the card skimmers you see on gas pumps and ATMs, but they do it electronically, virtually, on e-commerce sites, and so forth. Also on Bleepy Computers, Windows 10 2004 now blocked on devices with LTE cellular modems. Microsoft has acknowledged another known issue affecting Windows 10 devices with 
WWAN or WAN LTE cellular, cellular modems and is now blocking Windows 10 version 2004 from being installed on them until its solution will be available. Some devices with WAN LTE modems might be unable to connect with the internet and may show no internet connection in the network connectivity status indicator within the Windows 10 notification area according to Microsoft. Microsoft says that this issue only affects Windows 10 version 2004 desktop platforms with Windows Server version 2004 devices not being impacted. The company has applied a safeguard hold on all Windows 10 devices with affected WAN LTE modems drivers, preventing Windows 10 2004 from being offered through Windows Update until the issue is resolved. We are working on a resolution and estimated solution will be available in late September, Microsoft said. Until the fix for this issue is available and the safeguard is removed, Microsoft urges customers not to attempt to manually update the latest Windows 10 version using the media creation tool or the update now button. Um, and then Lenovo warns of Windows 10 2004 crashing ThinkPad lap laptops. Lenovo has issued an advisory warning that Windows 10 2004, the May 2020 update, can cause blue screen of death in various ThinkPad laptop models. As part of our Windows 10, to, uh, 10 updates health report, KB4566782 and KB4565351 were reported that Lenovo ThinkPad users were encountering blue screen of death, BSOD, crashes when virtualization was enabled in Windows 10. In a Lenovo advisory, advisory released this month, the computer manufacturer warned that ThinkPad models from 2019 and 2020 with virtualization enabled in the enhanced Windows biometric security setting could encounter crashes and other bugs. After installing the August 2020 cumulative update for Windows 10 version 2004, users may notice one, of the f one or more of the following symptoms. Blue screen of death when booting, blue screen of death when starting Lenovo Vantage, BSOD when running Windows Defender Scan, can't log in by face with Windows Hello, errors in device manager related to the management engine, errors in device manager related to IR camera. These issues are caused by incompatible drivers conflicting with the virtualization features of Windows 10. So if you have a Lenovo and you have upgraded to Windows 10 2004 and you're experiencing those issues, try to roll back your update. Also on Bleeping Computer, malware authors trick Apple into trusting malicious Schlayer, that's spelled S-H-L-A-Y-E-R, Y-E-R apps. The authors of the Mac malware known as Schlayer have successfully managed to get their malicious payloads through Apple's automated notarizing process. Since February of 2020, all Mac software distributed outside of its Mac app store must be notarized by Apple to be able to run on a Mac OS Catalina and above. The notarization process requires developers to submit software they built for the macOS platform to be scanned through Apple's notary service, an automated system designed to scan submitted software for both malicious components and code signing issues. If they pass this automated security check, the apps are allowed by the macOS gatekeeper, a macOS security feature that checks if downloaded apps have been checked for no malicious content to run on the system. As Apple describes this process, if there there's ever a problem with an app, Apple can quickly stop new installations and even block the app from launching again. Sounds like a little too much control, but all right. Although the company says the no that notarizing macOS software is designed to give users more confidence that the developer ID signed software you distribute 
has been checked by Apple for malicious components as discovered by Peter Dantini last week. Apple was tricked into notarizing Schleyer malware samples. He discovered notarized Schleyer adware installers being distributed through a fake and malicious homebrew website installers that could be executed on any Mac running macOS Catalina without being automatically blocked on launch. This allowed the threat actors behind this adware campaign to deliver their payloads to systems where the installers would have been previously blocked. Security researcher Patrick Wardle confirmed that these installers were indeed delivering Schleyer adware samples notarized by Apple, which means that they can also infect users running the company's latest macOS 11.0 Big Sur version. Even worse, given the samples of samples had Apple's seal of approval, users might trust them without thinking twice, thus allowing the malware developers to spread their payloads to an even higher number of systems, dropping a persistent bundle or adware variant on infected Macs. So all that to say, Apple dropped the ball, and uh, there, you know, just it just goes to show that you could, you can still potentially have malware on on a Mac. I know a lot of Mac users believe that's not possible. I've even been told that by employees at the Apple Store before. Uh, it is possible, and as you can see, it it happens, and we've talked about it before. The only reason Apple doesn't get attacked more is because they don't have as big a market share. That's really all it is. Also on Bleepy Computer, hackers are backdooring QNAP NAS devices with three-year-old RC bug, RC being remote code execution. Hackers are scanning from vulnerable network-attached storage devices, also known as NAS or NAS, depending on how you want to say it, running multiple QNAP firmware versions trying to exploit a remote code execution vulnerability addressed by QNAP in a previous release. So in other words, if you haven't updated yet, you should update because they are scanning for it and finding the vulnerability still on multiple NAS devices running QNAP, older versions of QNAP. So if you have not done so, update it. It is not hard. I've, I've shown everybody before, and, and maybe I'll create a video to show you how easy it is. It's not hard to scan for these things on the internet. There's actually websites that could do it for you. Also on Bleepy Computer, Robinhood, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade affected by stock trading outages. So yet another outage reported today, or not today, yesterday, sorry. Customers are reporting performance issues trying to trade on Vanguard, or were Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Robinhood, and Merrill Lynch this morning, starting at approximately 9 a.m. Eastern yesterday, just as the regular trading hours were about to start, users began reporting on Twitter that they could not use the company's trading sites and mobile apps. Other users are reporting errors when attempting to connect to the trading sites, such as TD Ameriprise, which had a service unavailable error on their website. Bleepy Computer reached out to the various trading companies but only received a response from Vanguard and TD Ameritrade who both stated that they are suffering connectivity issues. Vanguard is experiencing intermittent connectivity issues impacting our websites and phones. We are working to resolve the issue as quickly as possible. We apologize for the inconvenience and thank clients for their patience. Many clients are experiencing high levels of slowness on TD Ameritrade web platforms and the TD Ameritrade mobile app. We're working to adjust the issues as quickly as possible. This issue does not impact the Think or Swim desktop or the Think or Swim mobile app. We apologize for the inconvenience and take the performance and reliability of our trading platforms very seriously. Most of the platforms are using Acme, which is spelled A-K-A-M-A-I, as part of their connectivity, which in earlier tests conducted by Bleepy Computer showed extremely high connectivity response times. Um, 
no indication of whether or not this was resolved. I will have to, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll post an update to our Facebook page and Twitter account if there is an update on this. But as of recording time, which is late at night on Monday night, there is no update on whether or not it is resolved. Also on Bleepy Computer, Cisco warns of actively exploited bug and carrier-grade routers. Cisco warned over the weekend that threat actors are trying to exploit a high-severity memory exhaustion denial service vulnerability in a company's Cisco IOS XR software that runs on carrier-grade routers. Cisco's IOS XR network OS is deployed on multiple router platforms, including NCS 540 and 560, NCS 5500, 8000, and ASR 9000 series routers. Cisco hasn't yet released software updates to address this actively exploited security flaw, but the company's company provides mitigation in a security advisory published over the weekend. On August 28th, the Cisco Product Security Incident Response Team became aware of attempted exploitation of this vulnerability in the wild, Cisco explains. For affected products, Cisco recommends implementing a mitigation that is appropriate for the customer's environment. CVE 2020-3566 bug exists in the Distance Vector Multicast Routing Protocol, DVMRP, feature of the iOS XR software, and it may allow remote and unauthenticated attackers to exhaust the targeted device's memory, which would then potentially take down the Internet. Uh, so maybe there's something to that. I don't know. To determine if multicast routing is enabled on a device, admins can run the show IGMP interface command for iOS XR routers where, where multicast routing is not enabled, the output will be empty, and the devices are not affected by CVE 2020-3566. On devices where the vulnerability was used to exhaust memory, admins can see system log messages um, like, and it'll say packet infra PQ, pqmon 6q drop tail drop and xipcq one owned by igmp and it'll repeat multiple times cisco says the admins can take measures to partially or fully remove the exploit vector threat actors could use in attacks targeting devices vulnerable against cve 2020-3566 admins can implement rate limiting to reduce igmp traffic rates and increase the time needed to success successfully exploit cve 2020-3566 Customers can also implement an access control entry to an existing interface access control list, ACL, or a new ACL to deny inbound DVRMP traffic to interfaces with multicast router routing enabled. Cisco recommends disabling IGMP routing on interfaces while processing IGMP traffic is not necessary by entering IGMP router configuration mode. So if you're out there in the field and you, and you have Cisco IOS XR routers or uh, any of the other routers that I mentioned, these, of course, are carrier grades. So this, this is not something you'd have in the office environment or your home environment. But if you are in charge of any of these, then make sure you're putting in these mitigation measures because we've already seen three different outages that may have been caused by. Uh, one was definitely caused by uh, equipment and two more maybe do have some HIPAA breaches. To talk about Utah Pathology Services has announced an unauthorized individual has gained access to the email account of an employee and attempted to redirect funds from Utah Pathology. The breach was detected promptly 
The comp compromised email account was secured and the attempted fraud was unsuccessful and did not involve any patient information. Independent IT and forensic investigators were engaged to assist with the investigation and help determine the extent of the breach. The investigation is ongoing, but it has now been confirmed that the compromised email account contained the personal protected health information of around 112,000 patients. The purpose of the attack appears to have been to redirect funds for to an account under the control of the attacker rather than to steal patient data. However, the possibility of data theft could not be ruled out and affected individuals are now being notified about the breach. The compromised email accounts contained the following types of information in addition to patient names, gender, date of birth, mailing address, phone number, email address, health insurance information, internal record numbers, and diagnostic information related to pathology services. A small number of affected individuals had their social security numbers exposed. No evidence of misuse of patient information has been found to date, but out of the abundance of caution, affected individuals have been offered 12 months of complimentary membership to Cyber Scouts Identity Monitoring Service. Um, so it says that the, the purpose of the attack appears to be redirect funds and that not to steal patient data, but you know, hackers are opportunists, and if they see an opportunity, they're going to take it. So don't count on that. Valley Health Systems, a healthcare provider serving 75,000 patients in southern West Virginia. We talked about this one already, but I'll go over it again. Southeastern Ohio and eastern Kentucky was attacked with ransomware on or around August 22nd, as, as is common in manual ransomware attacks prior to the encryption of data. Files were exfiltrated by attackers and were used to pressure the healthcare provider into paying the ransom. Some of the data stolen in the attack has been published on a leak site. Valley Health Systems continued to provide medical services to patients while recovering from the attack, and patient care was unaffected. Several systems are still being still affected and are being slowly restored and brought back online. Third-party cybersecurity experts have been assisting with the investigation and recovery. According to a statement VHS provided by provided to databreaches.net, which I believe is who discovered the incident, unfortunately the threat actor has released some of the of our information. We are doing everything we can to understand what information is at risk and to protect patient information. Databreach.net confirmed that the attack involved Soto Nakibi Revel ransomware. VHS said, we are committed to completing a full forensic review following the resolution of this outage, and we will take appropriate action, which may include notifying affected patients in response to our findings. We have also taken steps to notify the FBI and intend to fully cooperate with any investigation into this incident. This uh, breach does not show up on the offices of the OCR website yet, uh, the, the hip, also known as the HIPAA wall of shame. It is not there yet, so we don't know how many people are impacted. That is going to do it for the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily for Tuesday. So until tomorrow, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.